0: Hey everyone, welcome to another edition of the SA Crypto Podcast with me, James, and in this edition. I have the privilege of having Tim Lee on the show. He's a British blockchain entrepreneur and uh, tech entrepreneur as well, who got started in tech right before the dot-com bubble in the late 90s. Uh, He's currently based in Sydney, Australia. And big shout-out to Andre Berg, who put me in touch with Tim. And it was a real privilege to be on his podcast, his Down the Rabbit Hole podcast. And so we'll be sharing that episode where he interviewed me regarding Crypto in Africa. We'll be sharing that on our podcast. But as an introduction to Tim, I've asked uh, asked him a couple of questions and uh, have a separate little interview with Tim for the SA Crypto podcast and for you guys here in South Africa. So, yeah, Tim is a keynote speaker in the blockchain space. He's a future thinker, he's an advisor to a number of uh, startups. Uh, He wrote a book called Down the Rabbit Hole, which is your journey of discovery. To the blockchain industry, it gives you a real easy to understand, up-to-date resource for those that aren't technical, uh, those that may be business people who want to understand the blockchain, its strengths, its its weaknesses, how to capitalize on its power, and it's an incredible book. Got a whole bunch of great reviews on Amazon, and uh, you can check it out on Amazon.com, or go to his website, downtherabbithole.news, all one word, downtherabbithole.news. Dot news, uh, Tim is just a great, great character uh, Obviously being from England, I can relate to him And uh, he's got a, an incredible background uh, He worked at HSBC Bank, he got himself a degree in economics at the University of Essex, and then got an MBA in finance and marketing at the Brighton Business School, um, and just has an incredible, incredible history. And for a man of his stature to get involved in blockchain just shows you uh, just how interesting and how deep this rabbit hole goes in the blockchain industry so uh, it really is great take a listen to this fantastic interview that i did as an introduction to the man himself tim lee enjoy um so tim just before we go for the SA crypto audience just tell us uh, who you are um you've written a book down the rabbit hole uh tell us about the book um, where can people get it and what are your current projections and what's your roadmap for your entrepreneurship journey in the blockchain space at the moment?
1: Okay. A few, uh, a few questions there to unravel, but certainly, I mean, um, in terms of, 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 my overall background, I mean, professionally, I was involved in, in corporate finance and high level banking It's to work with HSBC, Lloyds bank, GE commercial finance. Um, and uh, that gives me a, a sort of a, an interesting lens in terms of the corporate adoption within financial institutions, understanding risk models and that type of stuff. I think, yeah, but with um, with down the rabbit hole, I mean, I wrote the book because fundamentally when I first got involved in the the blockchain back in uh, sort of January 2015 um, after my earlier dalliance with um, with Bitcoin, I started looking at these YouTube videos and I was thinking, what the hell are these guys talking about? There were some, you know, the smartest guys you could ever hope to meet. And I've met more PhDs in the past four years than I've met in my entire life. I've also met the most socially awkward people I've ever met in my entire life. And that's not, I'm not trying to be a smartass. That's just the way a lot of these these guys are connected in terms of the way that they've got brilliant minds, absolutely first-class minds, but find it very hard to communicate it in a way that business people can understand. And so having been through that whole process of of the the dot com era, where I set up, you know, design courses for corporates and that type of thing to help them understand what was going on. I just looked at all these videos and said, let's just do some content that's really easy to understand. And um, so I, I made it my mission to to communicate it. And it was very much because every time I started talking to people, people kept on saying, when you go down the rabbit hole, you never come back. And then people kept on saying, "Down the rabbit hole, down the rabbit hole." So I thought, "There's the title; it just, you know, landed on itself." So it's on; it's available on Amazon. There has been a limited print run. Uh, I am in discussions with uh, distributors because I'm doing a sequel, hopefully for about quarter two next year. Um, and uh, in relation to my the next stage of my entrepreneurial journey, very much security tokens is where I see the future um, because what certainly what i'm seeing in australia and certainly within sort of you know the us and, and other areas is this narrative about compliance um and you know aml kyc you know anti-money normally know your customer that type of stuff and it's very much that the given where the icos have actually been coming out a lot of the technology has now been proven in terms of you can identify assets belonging to somebody leveraging blockchain tech for example um, equally with icos um, i got involved in an ico directly myself and we had 50 you know 50 different countries sending us money that were clearing in three minutes you know there were no banks in the middle charging the 20 50 bucks that they normally charge. There were no uh, exchange rate fees of two and a half to 4% below the market rate for exchange rates and there's no reconciliation. You've got everything just you know, just open there and ready. And so I saw this idea that there was just this global democratic capital that was opening up and looking at securities at security tokens. The the biggest issue is institutions haven't got involved in the cryptocurrency space, not only because of um, the lack of regulation, but also because it's basically very small compared to the overall market. I mean, the cryptocurrency market's about 200 billion right now. Um, in the in the world, you know, the the top 20 stock exchanges are about 90 trillion dollars. The bond market is about 100 trillion dollars. You've got real estate globally is about $271 trillion. So right there, you've got about sort of $450 trillion of capital, right? Now, if you look at cryptocurrencies, a lot of the institutions love some of the concepts and ideas that are coming out. And I interviewed last week uh, a key uh, institutional player who's now set up his own digital transformation fund. So that will give a real lens of a real insight into where institutions are viewing things. But this access to global capital is a game changer, in my opinion. I think that is actually the killer app of the whole blockchain space, in my view. LinkedIn to to ownership. Because security tokens will enable the fractionalization of ownership. And that's the key thing. So what do I mean by that? If you think of a Picasso painting, The last Picasso painted to sell was I think it was called Le Fan d'auberge, I think it was that sold for one hundred and seventy two million dollars. Now, worldwide, there are about twenty five, maybe fifty people who could afford that. If you can actually fractionalize that ownership and you say, take 0.001 of a percent of a Picasso, that's 17 grand. Yeah, US dollars. Now, realistically speaking, you know, would you like to own a piece of a Picasso that maybe is in the Mona Lisa? It might be in the Louvre or it might be wherever it might be. And you know, if you can actually free up that market, have a token that can then be exchanged, that is powerful. You can yeah. go globally for democratic capital for people that want to get involved in Picassos. If you then leverage that with real estate, if you then look at your know, venture capital funds, you can look at insurance risk pools, you can look at a whole variety of financial assets that all of a sudden the institutions can get involved with not only in terms of um getting engagement because now there is uh, there's regulation and compliance in place which they need by in terms of the mandates for all their funds but they can participate by creating new products i mean i was talking at a Uh, an insure tech conference just prior to doing the podcast today and um, talking about security tokens and I had people coming up afterwards saying oh could you do this can you how can we do that and there's uh, I mean I I won't name the name but there's there's one particular party that's got they've got a hundred billion dollars of risk-weighted assets and insurance pools linked into certain industries and they're saying could this work for, for us and I'm saying yeah, I mean, I mean, you know, there, there are certainly opportunities. I mean, it's, it's all subject to regulation and, and insurance has got some different regulations, but absolutely. And so I see if you get um, if you look at a portfolio effect, the institutions, if they commit one percent of their portfolios to high risk assets that might be high return. Right. But they are compliant. If you get 1% of, of say, $350 trillion, that's $3.5 trillion for the cryptocurrency market. In three, five years' time, you get 3%, which will be close to $10 trillion, the size of NASDAQ. And in you know, in in 10 years' time, you maybe get 5%, which Mm. would be close to about $20 trillion. Mm. So it's, you know, it's it's just going to be a massive wave. Uh, Obviously, not investment advice and that sort of thing, but it's going to be a massive wave. And I think we're going to see that happening. Probably, you know, in, in quarter two next year, we're going to start to see things really ramping up. Wow. Um, and I'm really excited by that because that's, that's where the cryptocurrency space goes global and goes, you know, goes ballistic.
0: Wow. Now, do you touch on this in your book?
1: Not in this book, not in the not in Down the Rabbit Hole. Down the Rabbit Hole is very much, it's a primer in plain English. Okay. So it's all very much, they're all sort of story driven. So, look at, for example, the rise and fall of Silk Road as an entire chapter, because that is worthy of a Hollywood movie itself yeah, in terms of it, it involves. Well, yeah, it, it's where you get seven different US agencies coming together. You have hitmen, you have the authorities staging somebody's death. To actually get inside the actual the whole process by which Silk Road worked. It then exposed high level corruption. It was it's a phenomenal story in its own right. And so it's very much taking that that whole story, having already sort of built up what the technology is about in plain English, and then when you go along for the ride, by osmosis, you just get a feel for this technology. It's like going to the movies, where you know, where you have a suspension of disbelief over a certain element of technology, but you get, you absorb that tech, you know, those technological ideas as you go along, and that's that's the way that I've written the book. So. Um, it's very much geared towards people that just want to understand what the technology is about
0: in plain English. So people can grab that. I, I, I've just googled now um, down the rabbit hole. Tim Lee, I just Google that, and it looks like Amazon.com comes up straight away. I mean, I see you've got great reviews there. Four point five review, four point five out of five stars. That's pretty impressive. Yeah, in, in some quarters it's been, it's been,
1: yeah, because Amazon breaks it down in geographical quarters. Luckily, there have been, you know, a lot of very good reviews worldwide. Touch wood. I'm very, very, very pleased on that Um, but you know it's just one of those technologies as you know it's just an incredible technology and it's a it's a pleasure to be able to share it you know it's um it's you know and and as you say it's being able to communicate and 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 make a living from what you do you love doing is there's nothing
0: greater yeah and so um, your down the rabbit hole is very much a primer. Uh this talk about uh, security tokens clearly very uh, a passionate topic of yours. Is there a book coming out on that topic? Yeah,
1: well that's when there's I'm looking towards doing a sequel uh for Down the Rabbit Hole. I've already written a lot of it. What's the tit- um, what's the title token- going to be? It it is Down the Rabbit Hole, but I um, mean in line with the with the the uh podcast. It's very much the you know, blockchain and beyond so okay. looking at the future of where things are going bringing in ai bringing in you know artificial intelligence bringing in the internet of things but absolutely security tokens will be right in the heart of that because that's where you know it's just gonna it's gonna explode yeah um, and uh, you know it, it's it's not it's not ideal for the, the cypherpunk movement you know they'll probably feel as if their their tech has been um bastardized to to a degree but You know, that's the way the world is going to go, unfortunately. Um, Yeah, I
0: think if you look at the Internet, there were a lot of cypherpunk hacker type um, people. I use the word, the term hacker loosely, because obviously hacker doesn't necessarily mean what we traditionally think it means. But um, when the Internet first came about, there were a lot of back end IT specialists who were just delighted at the fact that they could communicate without the need for um, oversight and regulation. They could just get online and communicate and, um, and, and transfer data. So And of course, it's become very regulated now. So I think in the same way, there's space for the cypherpunks and there's space for regulatory bodies as well.
1: I think, I think to a degree there is. And I mean, as we've spoken about, some difficult countries i think absolutely bitcoin will have that ultimate position of being you know the currency the world's currency that nobody owns my only concern i think though is that given there are a number of sovereign currencies that are being developed and admittedly it's by the early adopting countries places like dubai singapore estonia um, you know, I mean, China are looking at it and so are the, the Soviet Union, for example. But once cryptocurrencies come into the mainstream and you have sovereign currencies that say there's a digital rand or a digital Australian dollar or a digital US dollar, I think the regulators may well turn around and say, well, why do we need this digital cash that we've got no control over, no line of sight over necessarily, Um, with anti-money laundering you Mm -hmm. know your customer and that type of thing and a very difficult way of taxing yeah right yeah and so and that's you know those narratives come into that collective consciousness and i think when we look at um history i mean mark twain once said that history doesn't repeat itself but sorry history doesn't repeat itself but it tends to rhyme and if you look at Um, India, going back about 18 months ago, they suddenly overnight banned the thousand rupee note. I know in Nigeria they did that as well where they banned you know a very very high value notes at one time and it's the idea that the cash economy just um, is untaxable yeah yeah exactly exactly Exactly. and it's also got the fingerprints of um, of you know nefarious activities as well so you know I think the the collective narrative may see us in the Western world perhaps looking at Bitcoin being banned at the exchanges. yeah, <laughs> could be as could be as bad as that. I hope not.
0: yes, yeah. but
1: you know yeah. just from a practical perspective, I just think that's probably where the governments are going to go once they've got control of their own digital currencies.
0: I love what uh, one of South Africa's leading Bitcoin um, and cryptography influences um says simon dingle check out his book in math we trust uh, a fantastic okay. well look i mean you know you're you're very much um already there in terms of understanding but what he brings into this book is a lot of the philosophical angle of economics um and and politics as well and one of the things he says is with bitcoin because it is um it's, it's unregulated and, and in many ways impossible to regulate unless you outright ban it. It gives people um, trust again because what what happens now in, in over regulated societies, you just look at India for instance, banning their thousand rupee note, that's because they couldn't control the revenue going around in circulation. You know, yeah. they weren't doing their job as being good government stewards and what happens is they then ban cash revenue models etc etc because they can't regulate it and so in, in current societies, regu- regulation allows for taxes to be enforced. It says, well, you earn this much, you owe us this this much, because we can see through all the regulated bank accounts that you own and that you have registered, we can see you, that much came through your account, therefore, you owe us this much. And unless you pay it, you're going to get fined and uh, B, you're going to go to jail, um, whereas Originally, in, in the old economy thousands of years ago where people were operating in, um, in, in hard-cold tokens, uh, gold, commodities, copper, uh, shells even, it was based on trust. It was, well, mm. you know, we're trusting you as the government. We trust that you earn this much. You've declared that you earn that much and therefore you owe us this much. But that then says that the government has to do a damn good job as being a government in order to earn the trust of the people. We'll gladly pay your taxes. We'll gladly pay taxes if you do a good job. You know, We understand that governments need taxes to run, and therefore you better do a good job so we'll give you a percentage of our revenue in order to continue the job. But you better do a good job or else we're not paying you taxes. And Simon Dingle raises this in his, in his book, In Math We Trust, that that's what, that's what Bitcoin allows. It, it puts the trust back on the people to say, well, actually, this is my money, and I'm only going to part with it unless you do a good job. Whereas now, the politicians own us because they're saying to us and I know Mm -hmm. you can see the cypherpunk coming out of me here hey Um, it's the politician saying you will pay us or else you're going to jail, which is unfair. You do a good job and then I'll pay you. And so that's the, That's hopefully the balance that, uh, that that Bitcoin brings back. But obviously it's going to be an interesting journey to see which countries actually allow Bitcoin and uh, some of the other cryptocurrencies to be adopted and accepted as digital payments. So yeah, it's a very interesting, um, a very interesting decade we have ahead of us.
1: Oh, I think so. I mean, it's just it's just moving ahead. at such a fast rate, you know, and and, I mean, in some ways, it's been it's actually been quite good that the there's been this, um, you know, there's been a bear market in the cryptocurrency space. It's given us time to breathe and to actually consolidate on a lot of the ideas that are actually coming out. And I think, you know, there's there's just so many great ideas um, and, and new initiatives that are coming out. So because it's all open source, everything is just moving ahead at a vast rate and that's far far quicker than the the internet ever was back in you know sort of 1995 um, and and also culturally in 1995 whenever somebody created technology it became very much this is mine this is all mine yeah, yeah I'm not sharing it with you yeah um, very much because that predicated the next round of funding that you got whereas you know within the ICO space um most definitely, because there's open sourcing of, of all this tech, people can leverage one bit of tech from here, one bit of tech from there, one bit of tech from everywhere else and just look at the ideas and say, OK, the code's already there. Bang, let's just slotted in the way we go. So, yeah, yeah it's an exciting time.
0: It's it's such an exciting time. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, Tim, we could go on forever. Um, thank you. Just where can people find you? If they want to follow you, do you um, do you have a social presence, whether it be Instagram, yeah, Twitter, absolutely. LinkedIn, where can they find
1: yeah, you? Yeah, I mean if you go to down the rabbit hole dot news, that's where all the information okay. will be. Great. That's the that's the easiest way. It'd be the podcast, the book and you know, access to Twitter and all that sort of stuff.
0: Brilliant. So this episode here uh, has been the SA Crypto episode. The interview you did of me will be episode two on the ep- uh, between James and Tim on the SA Crypto podcast. Tim, thank you for your time, and it's been great to connect with you. I look forward to the next one.
1: Yeah, James, thanks very much. I'm looking forward to uh, having a chance with you on an ongoing basis. I think we've got some interesting ideas, and I'm sure at times we'll have a few debates um, and healthy debates. I hope.
0: Absolutely. Thanks, Tim. Okay. Thanks, James. And that's where we leave that episode of our chat with Tim Lee, blockchain entrepreneur based in Sydney, Australia. Again, big shout out uh, to Andre Berg, who put us in touch with Tim. Thanks, Andre. And Tim, thank you for your time. Look out for the second version of our chat where he interviews me for his down the rabbit hole podcast uh, which will be available in a couple of days time so i'm looking forward to that don't forget to subscribe to the essay crypto weekly newsletter we give you all the latest updates in the blockchain industry from here in south africa and around the world and it's a very short bite-sized uh, little newsletter with all the main industry news in blockchain Uh, So all you got to do is log on to sacrypto.co.za and fill in your name and email on the little pop-up box on the bottom right-hand corner or just in the sidebar of the website. Be sure to check us out. Until the next episode, take care of yourselves. Cheers.